Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. topic today is preparing for the cross. Um, that's not, I'm not going to talk about Jesus himself preparing for the cross, but ourselves. And um, we've heard so much over the last few months about different aspects of the cross. And I've often, as I've looked back through the notes and listened to the podcast, I've thought, well, where does that all fit into my life? Mm. How do I embrace that and make it part of what I, my, myself. And God led me to scripture, and there's a lot of scriptures here, but you can, if, please just listen and follow them. But I was very struck by John the Baptist, because John the Baptist is in all four Gospels, he's, he's at the start of all four Gospels, and he prepares the way for Jesus in all four Gospels. And in Matthew 3, verses 1 to 3, it says, In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching his message. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of God is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is the voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. And then in Mark, again in the first chapter, It says, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the roads for him. And then in Luke, chapter in the first chapter of Luke, it talks about his conception and his birth. And he was born to a barren woman. And his father couldn't believe what was happening, and he couldn't speak. And that happens to a lot of men when they find out their wife's pregnant, but he couldn't speak because he didn't believe. And John was baptised in the Holy Spirit in the womb, which completely blows some people's theology out the water. But he was. And he leapt in the womb when... He knew when he heard the news of Jesus coming when Mary met Elizabeth. So this guy was, he was on a mission. And it goes on in Luke to say that uh, Isaiah again spoke of him saying, he is the voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the roads for him. The valleys will be filled. The mountains and hills made level. The curves will be straightened. The rough places made soon. And then all people will see the salvation of God. But my favourite verse about John is in John itself, in John 1.6, and it says, God sent a man. That's a great thing to hear, that God sends a man. John the Baptist, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light, so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light, he was simply a witness to tell about the light. John is mentioned at the start of all four Gospels. And he had a, a twofold message, which wasn't particularly popular at the time. The first message was, repent and believe. 
Turn around, put your trust and faith and confidence in God and be completely reliant on him. And his second message was prepare the way. Prepare the way. The message puts it like this. Prepare for God's arrival. Make the road smooth and straight. Every ditch be filled in, every bump smoothed out, every detour straightened out, all the ruts paved over, and everyone will see the parade of God's salvation. There's something so significant about John in his place in Scripture, his ministry, his message, his attitude, and his call to action. There's a preparation there. And I want to talk about preparation today. And I also want to talk about embracing it was funny, I, um, I, went, I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, why, why have you moved to Market Harbour? <laughs> so I said, well, you know, gone to help start a church. And he said, well, what sort of Christian are you? And he says, are you one of those huggers? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, probably so, you know, that's probably true. <laughs> but, you know, to embrace something is to hold it, hold it. It's a sign of affection, you know, to grasp it, to squeeze it, to adopt it, to make it part of ourselves. And that's what God wants us to do with his cross. He wants us to embrace it, all that it has for us. But before we can do that, we need to start preparing. But preparation, people talk about preparation and they think that preparation has an end. But in in the church, it doesn't. We should be preparing all the time because the Bible says that we go on from one degree of glory to another. And preparing in biblical terms is something we should be doing all the time. All the time. All the time we should be devising, putting together, thinking up, drawing up, composing, editing, fashioning, concocting, getting ready, making ready, assembling. All sorts of things in our lives to embrace the cross. Because it is a constant ongoing thing. And our embrace with the cross needs to get tighter and tighter and tighter, just like Naya. (laughs) Now, for those who know me, I quite like decorating. (laughs) And anyone who knows about decorating, the first thing they'll say to you is, the key is preparation, the key is preparation, Benj. You know, all the cracks have to be smoothed out, all the old paper has to be taken off, all the surfaces have got to be totally smooth. The paintwork has to be rubbed down. And so many people, when they talk about decorating, they'll say, I don't want to do decorating because I don't like the preparation. They like hanging the paper. But you know, if we don't do the preparation, the finish isn't as good. The finish isn't as good. There are no shortcuts. If we want a great finish, we've got to do great preparation. And the same comes with cake baking. Not that I bake cakes, but my wife told me this. You know, when we bake a cake, we don't get the recipe book out and we read the first line and do what the first line says. And then we don't do that and then read the second line and do what the second line says. The way we should do it is read the recipe book all the way through first. We measure out all the ingredients. We prepare some of the ingredients. We sieve the flour. We soak the fruit or whatever it is. And then we can start. And then it makes it so much easier... We're not staring in the oven with a flour-covered hand holding the recipe book, trying to see what's going on. We have everything laid out. It's all not... It isn't... I don't know how you do it, babes. And, uh, but the result is it produces a great taste and a great look. How many times have we made cakes and not followed the instructions to the letter? And you say, well, they taste good. 
I know they look rubbish, but they taste good. <laughs> but that's not how God wants his word to be applied in our lives. He wants us to prepare everything, to make it an ongoing thing that all the time we're looking into his word. We can't skip over the master's instruction book. Preparation in the Bible refers in most cases to sacrifice and to the preparation of a meal. And it's all tied up with sacrifice and giving up in a sense of servanthood because preparation is sacrifice. If we prepare for God and prepare for him in our lives, as I'm coming on to, there is a sacrifice. We have to be those that are willing to lay down the things in our lives which appear to be greatness. Allow us to embrace the cross as Jesus did. You see, because nothing in my life actually belongs to me. My wife, my children, my finances, my ministry, my car. (laughs) We're only stewards of what God gives us. Uh, Phil said today, he used that scripture, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I prefer it in the AV because it says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything that's in the earth belongs to the Lord. And really, only all ownership brings us is the ability to deny the use of something. If you own this, le- if I own this lectern, the only power that I have is I can say to Ben, you can't borrow it. That's all ownership really means. And it can be gone in seconds because yeah. God only gives it to us for a short while. Surrendering everything to God is not giving it up. And losing it. God wants us to have things. He doesn't want things to have us. And Jesus surrendered all. First of all, Jesus surrendered the right to be God. He left heaven. He was the son of God. And he became as man. Um, The Bible says in 1 John that he was in the the beginning. And he was the word. And he was there. And he was at the start of creation. And yet he became a man. He gave up his deity. He gave up the right to a normal birth. We see these lovely Christmas cards with lovely scenes of Jesus in the manger with lovely fresh straw. But really it was a cave. It was a hole in the ground and he was on some hay that could have been full of ticks. He wasn't born in a palace. But he said, I'm going to make, prepare a place for you. He's going to prepare a palace for us. He gave up the right to an earthly family. You know, he lived with his mother. Um, then he started his ministry and he travelled around for three years and he never had a family. He never married, he never had children. But his mission was to draw many sons to himself. He never married. He never never was part of the earthly joy and celebration of marriage but he talks about the consummation of all things with the marriage lamb which I won't go into (laughs) he gave up the right to a home Jesus said foxes have holes the birds have nests but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head and he travelled from house to house home to home town to town until his death he gave up the right to money and earthly wealth He borrowed a coin from a fish's mouth to demonstrate a principle. That's not to say that God didn't provide for all his needs. And he gave up the right to a reputation. Most people saw him as the illegitimate son of a carpenter. 
raised in a scorned town. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about the prophet's horse wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. And he gave up the right to life himself. He died the death, which was for the worst criminals of the day, and he was buried in a borrowed tomb. But God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? Why did Jesus do that? Jesus gave everything up so that we could gain. Because when he rose again, we rose with him. We are co-heirs with Christ. And Jesus is showing us the way to win in life, to win everything, is to be like him. And I want to take that example of Jesus in my life, that his will, his rule, his reign is every part of my life, every part of my life. So let's get back to preparation. I want to turn to a scripture, if you can, in Mark 8, 34. Then he called the crowd. Then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. And whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it if a man gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? There's something so intrinsic there about taking up the cross, taking up the life of Jesus. And theologians for years have debated what that scripture actually means, taking up the cross. But I don't believe that it means sadness or suffering, or rejection. I believe it means moving into all what God has given us, taking up his cross. John summed it up like this in John 3, 27. John replied, No one can receive anything from God unless it's from heaven. You know yourselves how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. And then there's one scripture here which always strikes me. John says, he must become greater and greater, and I must become lesser and lesser. And this was after John had seen Jesus. He'd baptised him. He said, behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. John didn't have the ump. He didn't say, oh, you know, Jesus is here now. What am I supposed to do? He saw that Jesus was the Messiah. And in one sense, he was talking about a physical greatness, that he had to become less as Jesus' ministry grew. But I believe for us, we must be those who our life becomes less and less, and Jesus becomes greater and greater. He must increase, I must decrease. So we need to make a way for that to happen. Let's make way for Jesus. Make a way, clear the roads, make flat, no curves. Again, the message says, prepare for God's arrival, make the roads straight and smooth, 
every ditch will be filled out, every bump smoothed out, all detours straightened out, all the ruts will be paved over, and everyone will see the parade of God's salvation. There's a real sense of preparation there. John was talking about smoothing stuff out. So there's roads in our lives that we need to make smooth and straight. Um, Probably at least once a week I go to London on the train, and you don't notice it, but train tracks are pretty straight. Um, There's no big curves or bends. And if there's a mountain, they go through it, or a hill. And if there's a valley, they build a bridge. And it's straight all the time. There's no... Um, there's nothing that stops us. Uh, what's the word? There's no detours. Yeah. And that's how God wants us to be. He wants us to go through our mountains, over our valleys. Yes. Every ditch is filled in, every bump smoothed out. God doesn't want us to be roller coaster Christians, moving steadily to the top, and then hands raised and screaming, going down the other side. <laughs> And then back up to the top again. God wants consistency in our lives. He wants us to be those that are level. The detours are straightened out. There are things that turn us away from the path. Things that entice us. But God wants a straight path. It says in the word, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I I have to ask you, are there things that are detouring you from from God's plan in your life? Detours take us away from all that God wants to do to embrace us and prepare us for the cross. So how do we prepare? How do we make sure that we're doing everything we can to embrace our time? What are our passions? Are we giving our time to him? Do we spend too much time in front of the telly? Too much time, do we spend time with the body? Do we spend time in the word? Our minds, our hearts should be full of God's word and our speech. Do we spend time in prayer? Do we really go away and spend time before the Father and don't just have a quick prayer when things are a bit tough? Do we spend time with other believers? The word says in Proverbs that iron sharpens iron as as a friend sharpens a friend. And it's so good to be together. And Phil's exhorted us this morning to spend time with one another over this, over this period. So important. They worshipped together in the temple every day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Our attendance. Sunday and life group are not optional extras in the kingdom of God. They're important. They are non-negotiable events. When we attend... We come on time, we're ready to go. You see, because God has put a table before us. In Psalm 23, it says, I put a table before you, a rich table. It says here, a table, you've anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows, surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. My mother knew how to do a good table, didn't she? (laughs) And... She used to tell us when tea was, and she didn't have to ask us. Lateness wasn't accepted. You had to be there. And you came with clean hands. And you were presented in clothes that were the right attire. You engaged in conversation around the table. And you ate everything that was put before you. Meal times were good times. 
And that's how the body needs to be. We need to be those who come ready to go. That we've spent time with God in our word, praying with believers, that we come with clean hands, that we are acceptable to God. We come in royal robes. And when we're here, we engage in conversation and we consume everything that the Lord lays out for us. You see, by being prepared, we provoke others. We provoke others. Because when I see people doing really well in God, it provokes me. It makes me look at my life and say, I need to get up there. And for those of us who've got children, Phil touched on the scripture today, 1 Corinthians 11, it says, and you should imitate me as I imitate Christ. And our children need to see how we are. The people in my life that have had the greatest impact on me have not been particularly leaders or elders or prophets, but it's been the couple that have brought their children up really well in the Lord. The single mom who's gone through adversity and still loves God and follows Jesus. People are watching you all the time. (laughs) So we need to be a good example. Jesus talks about a field in Mark. And he says in Mark 4, chapter 3, it says, Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. And as he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on the footpath. The birds came and ate it. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon withered under the hot sun. And since he didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted and grew and produced a crop that was 60 30, 60, and even 100 times as much has been planted. And God wants the soil of our hearts to be good soil. And that's what preparation is all about. When you prepare a field, you level it. You remove all the weeds, you remove all the rocks, and then you plant furrows to plant the seeds in. And God wants us to prepare our hearts like that in all that we do, in all that we're doing, preparing for the cross. you put my first slide up please Sam a few months ago I went on holiday with Woody it was last year wasn't it and went to a beach that isn't the beach (laughs) and when you go to a beach at night there's loads of holes loads of um, sand castles it's just it looks like a bomb site And some people's lives are like that. There's holes, there's ridges, there's dips, there's hollows. And then something happens, and the tide comes in. And when you go back after the tide's gone in, the sand is completely flat. There's not a piece of, there's nothing, there's no undulations at all. It doesn't matter how Dad, try, how Dad tried to dig that hole to the channel tunnel, it's filled in. And we need to allow the Spirit of God to wash over us. And we need to allow 
the holes to be filled in, the mountains to be flattened, the pla- to be a plane in our lives. Hallelujah. Before I come on to the third slide, I was talking to somebody the other day and they said that Jesus didn't carry the cross to the crucifixion. He had a beam on his shoulder. Well, I don't believe that because it says a cross. So it was a cross. And he was dragging it through the dust. And if you put the third slide up, and that is what God wants. That's the only imperfection that God wants in our lives. He wants the perfect imperfection. He wants a rut of God through our lives. A rut of God. When we talk about ruts, we we tend to think that they're bad things, but they're not. Because a rut of God is a good thing. And Jesus dragged that cross up the Della Rossa, up through the mud, and there was a, a rut left in the dirt. And my prayer for everyone today is that the rut of God would run through their lives. That there would be no imperfections, only the perfect imperfection. And so, in finishing, I just want to say, all what we've heard over the last few weeks, embrace it. Do what you need to do to embrace the word of God. To know what God is saying about you to spend time with believers, to allow them to sharpen you and change you and to see that your witness is a witness to other people. Father, I just pray that we may be those who know what it is to prepare the cross of Christ in our lives, that we would know his presence and his calling, that we would know his word and that we would embrace everything that you've called us to be in Christ that we would be truly truly excited about your word in our lives in Jesus name Amen Thanks for joining us today there's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.